This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So, what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song, of course. The choice is yours! Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device, subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Josh, I'm an old school guy. You're a new school guy. But I bet you and I would agree on some of the great voices of college football in our time. Who would you say is the most iconic voice of college football in your lifetime? Hmm, that is a great one. I would say maybe, even though I'm not a huge fan, Kirk Herbstreet comes to mind. I don't know. I'll throw that out there. Anything older school? Ooh, you're dating me here, Ron. Uh, I'm going to lean on you for that. Well, I don't know what school you went to, young man, but I'm going to tell you right now that I'm going to introduce you as Josh Applebaum, a five foot five, 120-pound linebacker, but oh, what a scrapper. If you know what I'm talking about, Keith Jackson here, and all of a sudden, as we're going to be talking about betting on college football, it's not something I'm akin to, but oh, there's a football! He really is Josh Applebaum. I am a horrible impersonator named Ron Flatter. You know, you're not a Keith Jackson guy? You're, are you too young for Keith Jackson? You know, you started saying that, Ron, and something came to mind. I know I've come across it here and there, but uh, I think you, that, that impression was spot on. Although the height and weight a little off, but I'll, I'll take one and I'll, I'll skip the other. <laughs> I was actually dared one time when I was broadcasting high school football, wow, 40 years ago in Chico, California. And a guy who we work with in Las Vegas, John Katsalamitis, who writes for the Las Vegas Review Journal, he went to my high school. We went to the same high school in Chico, California. And he dared me 
in reference to somebody once. He says, I dare you to say his height and weight and say, oh, what a scrapper on a broadcast. And he was this little guy, and, I, and he, he made a play, and I did it. I don't know if I, know if I want a steak dinner or a beer or what, but, you know, that was John Katzlamitz dared me to do that. And all these years later, we're working in the same town. I've gone way off topic here, except for the fact we're talking football. And specifically, we're talking what Keith Jackson was so iconic at calling was college football. And when you talk about the NFL being the most popular sport in America to bet, Josh, college football is not far behind. You're exactly right, Ron. Yeah, if you consider the NFL the king of sports betting, I guess we could say college uh, football is maybe the prince or the next in line to the throne. But, uh, yeah, Hmm. today we're going to talk a lot of tips, uh, how to attack college football, spread systems, total systems. We'll talk about uh, why bowl game season and and all these playoff games just get massive betting, and there's a lot of good systems you can lean on, especially Hmm. going contrarian you know, betting against the public in these really heavily bet spots. But uh, kind of we always want to set the stage just, you know, letting our VEASAN listeners know that um, obviously it's a heavily bet sport and we always want to have a, uh, a point of reference, uh, a strategy and a number in our head that we're going to try to strive for. So uh, as we've mentioned in other spread sports, you know, the spread and the total betting on the over under, those are your most popular bet types in college football. So what does that mean, Ron? 52.38%. That's the number in the back of our head, knowing that we got to pay the juice, betting the spread and betting the total. Standard minus 110 juice. That means you got to win 52.3% of your bets. So as we talk about college football today, remember, your goal is to win 53% of your plays or more. Anything above that, you're doing very well overall. Well, let's just try and win one at a time. We'll take them one <laughs> game at a time, right? Uh, and God forbid you should be parlaying, but you know we've we've offered that lesson and beaten that into your head on other episodes. If this is your first time with us, maybe we'll beat you in the head over it as well. But because of college football's mere size, there are so many more possibilities for winning games, but there are so many more pitfalls in terms of possibly losing them. Because as coaches will often tell you, their entire careers are based on guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah, and that's key, Ron, because obviously we're betting on kids. We're not betting on professional athletes. You know, a lot of these kids probably will make it to the pros, but uh, when you think about it, a lot of them will not. So the key here is just in terms of the league overall. You know, the NFL, we're talking 32 teams. They play mm-hmm. every Sunday. You'll have your Sunday night, your Thursday night. Uh, but college football, we're looking at around 130 college football teams. So what does that mean? It means more opportunities, which is fantastic. It also means that you have to tread a little bit lightly because, you know, on an average Saturday, you can be looking at, you know, 50, 60 or more games. And if you get into the situation of betting too many games, that could be a pitfall. So we always want to make sure that, you know, we're staying disciplined, but we're also want to be conscious of the fact that we want to treat these games differently. It's not like the NFL where, you know, you have your 32 teams and you bet on them uh, every Sunday. There are Mm -hmm. different size schools. There are different conferences. There are small school games. There are big school mm-hmm. games, and as a result, we want to basically uh, not treat every game equally. We want to know that, okay, in these heavily bet games where Ohio State is playing Michigan and it's going to you know, be on national television, going to get a, a, a ridiculous amount of bets in public action, okay, we can lean a little bit more on betting against the public and going contrarian. But on the flip side, you have your small school games. You have your, uh, you know, your northern Iowa against uh, whoever it may be. And that's going to be a low bet game. So as a result, you know, line movement is a little more important in those situations. So just remember, not all games are created equally. You want to attack them differently. You want to have a little bit of a different strategy, whether it's a heavily bet game or a low bet game. 
And the 130 or so teams we're talking about, of course, are the FBS teams, the football bowl subdivision. There are FCS teams that come into play, the football uh, championship subdivision. That was what we used to call Division One AA and below. Those teams, yeah, you can bet on them, and sometimes you can't, and it depends on where you are. And often those games aren't posted until maybe the day before they're actually played. So the 130 that we're talking about, the big kahunas, you know, the, the big one, the big hosses, as Keith Jackson might have said, they're the ones that our conversation will be about, and that's probably where you're going to be spending your betting dollars to begin with. So let me jump back in and something that you had mentioned just a moment ago, and I want to seize on this before we expand in terms of scheduling and, and when you bet, etc. And that's how you alter your approach between betting not just from the NFL to college games, Josh, but when you're betting on small schools versus big schools or big schools versus big, small versus small, however they may mix, you have to attack these games in different ways. You exactly do, Ron, and I think this is kind of the point overall. You know, you're going to look at your live odds page on you know a Saturday, and you're going to see so many different games across the board, but you have to basically approach them differently. So, kind of what I always look at is, um, you know, you're going to make you want to know that you know going into any Saturday, the public is going to flock to teams they can recognize, schools that they uh, are are familiar with, and rank teams as well. Rankings play a huge role here, so obviously. In these heavily bet games, and it's pretty simple. If you can recognize the school name, those are going to be the games that a lot of recreational bettors will flock to. Your Alabamas, your Clemsons, your um, Ohio States, your Michigan schools like that overall. But in those games, you know that, okay, the ticket counts are going to be high. And who's the public going to lean on? A lot of favorites, a lot of home teams, uh, betting totals. They're going to bet on a lot of overs. So in those situations where you can attack heavily bet popular games, you know that, okay, if they're televised as well on ESPN, NBC, ABC, if it's a primetime game, those are the situations where betting against the public, getting better numbers, looking for shaded lines can really be to your benefit. But if you look at all those small school games, they're not televised. The public really doesn't care about them. There's really no public to bet against. So you can kind of throw contrarian out the window. Okay. And that's when looking at line movement is really important because pros will bet on any game. They don't care if it's on TV mm -hmm. or not, if they have a, you know, if they've set their power ratings, they see value, they'll get down on those games. And that's why looking at those small games where you see, you know, a line move toward Appalachian State, okay, that's most likely a sharp play coming in. And that's when you really want to ideally get on those numbers early before they move. And if you're too late to the party, you might as well uh, not buy into a bad line at that point. And that's an important thing, by the way, that you mentioned. You can talk about the biggest game that's the most telecast game that will get the biggest TV rating, but the profit might be elsewhere in a game that's barely on a screen anywhere, even if you're streaming. So there's that. And also the fact, and this one's interesting, as you were, we were going over our common notes for this podcast. The games that are played on Thursdays and Fridays, interesting that you've you're going to have maybe a little more action on those than you might on a game that is a bigger, higher-profile game amidst all of the games on Saturday. Why is that, Josh? Yeah, I think that's important because throughout the week, you know, once you get into football season, betters are just thirsty, can't wait to get to that Saturday. But you will have these Thursday games, these Friday games. Uh, later in the season, you'll start to get games on Tuesdays, Wednesdays. So these games that otherwise, if they were kind of sandwiched or hidden uh, on a huge Saturday, may not get a lot of bets. But because they're televised, because it's a Thursday or Friday night, people want action, we're getting close to the weekend, they're going to be much more heavily bet than usual. So that's when a lot of 
biases come into play. So those situations are also spots where you can bet against the public. If you see uh, heavy, heavy public betting on one side, uh, you know that kind of going the other way, you can place yourself on the side of the house. You can get better numbers. That's also key. But again, knowing that each game and kind of to wrap it all up, take each game individually. Don't think of it as an NFL Sunday where kind of all the games are pretty much equal. College, there's a lot of discrepancies in terms of how popular these games are, the timing of these games. So make sure you're doing your research going into it and you kind of know where each one stands. Let's talk about the ways that you can bet college football. And I'm going to offer a quick primer for the uninitiated. So if you know this already, you're going to go, okay, yeah, we know, we know. But in case this is your first time jumping into betting on college football and your first time with one of this series of podcasts, you can bet the spread, you can bet the money line, you can bet the total. There are other ways, but those are the three big ones. The spread, when you look at a favorite, that's the team that will have the minus sign next to it. So let's say it's Alabama against Auburn, Alabama minus two and a half, which means that Alabama is favored by two and a half points. You take its score, subtract two and a half, and that basically becomes the betting number in mind. It also means, let's say, you take Alabama minus two and a half. That means Alabama has to win by three for you to win your bet. If you take Auburn plus the two and a half, then you're looking at it just the other way around. As the underdog, you get the opportunity to lose the game, but maybe win the bet if it falls within that spread. The over-under is the O slash U. It'll be a number that is the total score of the game, above or below that, over-under. And the money line is in a game where you have a favorite. It will be minus money. You lay that much money. Let's say Alabama's a minus 150 favorite. You lay $150 to win 100 And then as far as maybe Auburn on the other side of that might be a plus 140. Then you bet 100 to win 140 So those are the ways you can bet it. So those are the basics. So let's jump into the spread and talk about how the public loves favorites, the public loves home teams, and the public, Josh, as you mentioned a moment ago, loves those very recognizable names. Yeah, Ron, that was a great breakdown there because you got to have your basics, then you can really move on and branch out and uh, you know improve your, your capping skills overall. So, of course, the public wants to bet on the home team. You see these young kids going into a new stadium, you think, you know, it's great to have the crowd cheering for you. If it's hostile environment, you're going to be more susceptible to making mistakes. So what does the public do? They overvalue home field advantage. Typically, odds makers will award three points for home field. It could go up or down based on uh, the arena, the schedule, the attendance, all, you know, stuff like that. Um, but what I like to lean on a lot is uh, one of my favorite systems overall, short road dogs. So this has been kind of what I call a grinder system overall. The public is really overvaluing home field advantage. They also love favorites as well makes sense if you want to bet a game you want to bet the better team however this is all baked into the cake when the odds makers set their line so this is one system that has been again year to year pretty consistent overall uh when you look at short road dogs that are plus four or less so you know plus one plus two plus three two and a half three and a half whatever it may be what we consider a short road dog they're 54.1 percent ats against the spread so they're covering at a little bit more than 54%, which again, doesn't seem that great, but very consistent, a lot of systems, and kind of why I like that, and these, this, uh, according to BetLab Sports, that stat there, 54.1%. The reason why I really like it, it makes a lot of sense. It's got a good theory behind it. Public loves home teams, public loves favorites. When they see a favorite, minus one, minus two, minus three, minus four, they say, of course they can win by that amount. Win by a touchdown or less, boom, I'll take that every time. But you gotta remember, you know, three points home field advantage. Mm -hmm. If the 
road dog is four or less, the books are kind of telling you these are evenly matched teams on a neutral field. So that's mm. kind of a grinder system for me, that plus four or less road dog uh, system you can really look at. And also even money line opportunities there, but taking the points in that situation, oh, yeah. uh, good value historically. In another episode we talked about when you're looking at an underdog, you're confident that that underdog will win. I mentioned a system that works in basketball that I have found to put some money in my pocket. Bet 70% of what you were intending to bet on that game by taking the points, but hold out 30% to take that money line. So let's say you're taking, let's say, six points with an underdog, but you think that team will win. Take the six points, but then maybe you're looking at a, say, a plus 160. I'm just throwing a number out there and bet 30% of your stake on that. And you could make a nice little payday there. And even if you don't, let's say the, that team loses, but you're still going to make more money on the first part of it, the 70%, with that uh, spread by taking the points. Does that work in football? I think it does, Ron. Yeah, sprinkling on the money line is definitely a, a strategy that a lot of sharp bettors uh, lean on, especially if you have a better number on the game or close to a pick em type scenario. Um, another thing is, you know, looking at correlative betting you know when you're betting a dog or a favorite you also want to be conscious of what the total is for that game because mm, depending okay. on the total that can have a big impact on and let's talk about that especially when you're looking at a total that might be very low you've got a road dog and let's say i'll throw out a number say 48 or less let's say the totals you're looking at a low scoring game you're looking at you know in the neighborhood of a of a 24 21 type of thing or in that, something like that how do you bet that? Yeah, I always lean on dogs in general with low totals. This is something you want to keep in mind because when you're talking game theory and just uh, probabilities, you know, when you're on a dog and you're getting the points, you want a game to be as low scoring as possible because the fewer amount of points expected to be scored basically levels the playing field, makes it harder for that favorite to cover that number within that smaller margin of a victory, depending on how many points. So again, I throw the number four, you know, Ron, you threw 48 out there anything 50 or less you got to remember totals in college are typically higher than the nfl a lot of times right. so um road dogs low totals i love that another grinder system that's about 55 percent against the spread uh but then also flip it ron you know if you want to bet on a favorite and again we uh -huh. you know we have a contrarian mindset but it doesn't mean favorites never cover they do but i always lean on favorites with high totals so to me a high total is like 60 or higher you know when you have you know, I always think of like Oklahoma or Texas Tech, these teams that score a million points. Anytime you have a favorite, high total, 60 or more is great because flip it. Dog, low total, high total. Why? Because the more expected points scored, the easier it is and the more likely it is that a favorite will cover that number. Especially if you're a big favorite and you're laying, you know, minus 20 or more. You get up to around 55, 56%. Uh, historically since 2005. So remember, lean on dogs, low total, that's a good thing. Lean on favorites with a high total, more points, easier for that favorite to cover. And by the way, if you're wondering why college games have higher scoring than pro games, a couple of reasons. One is you don't have the parity in college football that you do in the pros. Remember, you have that many more teams with the talent then spread out that much farther. The other part of this is that the rules are such that in college football, they stop the clock every time there's a first down. More clock stoppages, more plays, more plays, the more opportunity for scoring. So that's part of why it's baked in. All right, so let's talk about some other things that come into play here, like bye weeks. We've talked about this in other sports, teams coming off of a break. 
How do you look at bye weeks? Yeah, bye weeks are really important. You know, whenever you're looking ahead that week and the lines come out early, you know, you want to circle those games where teams are coming off a bye because that's where scheduling can really come into play. That's something you want to incorporate in your capping. So very basic thing, bye week, you know, team has the week off. How does that affect their play? It really benefits favorites overall. So if you're a favorite coming off a bye, especially a home favorite, you're about 55% against the spread historically. If you're a ranked home favorite, you're even better, closer to 60%. So mm. why is that important? Because typically, you know, the better team will perform better off of the bye because, you know, if you're the favorite in general, you have better players. But really, to me, it's about coaching. You know, when you have a coaching staff that can handle the bye week, better prepare, has extra time to game plan, that's an added advantage for that favorite. And then really the home thing is important because – these are college kids, you know, pros are used to traveling and staying in hotels. They have the routine. They've been doing it for years. These kids, when you travel and go to a new place, that can uh, be a disadvantage if you're not used to it. Or maybe you're a wide-eyed freshman or sophomore and you're, you're just not, uh, you know, in your comfort zone. So off a of bye week, that's kind of the one situation where even though, Ron, I'm a dog better in general, a contrarian, mm -hmm. uh, that's where you can take advantage of some favorites off a of bye and ranked home favorites off a of bye as well. Speaking of rankings, I want this, this sticks in my craw. One of my favorite lines that Vinny Maliulo, who's from Gone Gaming and who makes numbers at the South Point in Las Vegas, says that the number to the right means far more than the number to the left. And what's he talking about there? Well, the number to the right, of course, is the point spread. The number to the left is the ranking of the team, Associated Press or Coaches Poll. And what drives me even more bonkers, Josh, is when you see, let's say, I'm just going to throw out an example here. Number five, LSU, is visiting number seven, Georgia. Number seven, Georgia, is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And then number seven, Georgia, wins the game and is said to have upset number five, LSU. No, it was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Don't look at the number to the left. Look at the number to the right. Okay, off my soapbox now. In terms of the practicality of all this, how do you apply rankings? You're exactly right, Ron. I think this is what we really want to stress, especially to new betters, is that don't fall in love with rankings. Don't do Amen. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> yeah, if you take one thing out of this, it's, it's don't don't bet based on rankings because you're really number one. Okay, they'll all be ranked one through twenty-five, but a lot of casual betters will literally just bet the bet the games based on who's the higher ranked team. You know, in theory, it makes sense. They're ranked higher. That means they're better. That means they're more likely to win. But public overvalues that oftentimes you know there's so much more that goes into it and you really kind of want to think of it differently you know you can get much more value again the odds makers know that the public will if a number five team plays a number 17 they'll they'll lean to the five team they'll lean to whoever is ranked higher so what does that mean it's baked into the cake they'll shade that number toward that higher ranked team with public perception in mind so you actually want to flip it you want to think in terms of almost buying low on rankings you want to kind of right buy low on the team that is maybe um, the higher ranked, or I always love unranked versus ranked. That's when you can really take advantage of, you know, a ranked team against an unranked team. The public will say, give me the ranked team all day long. You know, the other team isn't even ranked. They're not even in the top 25. But when you can flip it and instead of leaning on rankings, almost kind of go against them a little bit, buy low, sell high, you know, transition the way you read rankings. That's where you can get uh, much better numbers overall. And then, Ron, I'll just throw one at you. This is a grinder system I like. Two ranked teams, uh, basically um, top five teams, you know, take that ranked team overall. That favorite is actually 51, 55.1%. Uh, uh, two ranked teams take the favorite. You know, usually you'd think, you know, dog, 
you know, the public will say, give me the points if they're both ranked very well, but kind of leaning that other way can, can take advantage uh, for betters as well. Absolutely. And you talk about ranked teams. They say, and when we say favorite, remember, it's not the ranking that determines the favorite. <laughs> it's the point spread, especially in these teams that are barely in the top 25. They come and go like it's a revolving door. And that's the other thing you have to look at it. But in terms of power ranking, power rankings, the gamblers have, bookmakers even have them too. Those are much more uh, steady as you look at them. Okay, so teams that are bad against the spread and teams that are good against the spread, this is where you look at it and say, okay, uh, what makes sense and what does not? Exactly, Ron. And this is important too because you also get into the habit of, you know, public betting. And again, college, very public, uh, college football, very public sport overall. But uh, you'll want, you'll always get the, you know, the one loss record of these teams. Once you get into betting every day and every, every week, you'll then have another record, the, the ATS record, how, how many times they've covered, how many times they have failed to cover. You'll, you'll start to see as we get deeper into the season, the public will just bet the teams that cover a lot, which makes sense. However, you actually can buy low and go the other way. And I always like betting bad ATS teams against good ATS teams. It doesn't make sense up front. But basically what that means is, you know, a team that hasn't covered a lot is very undervalued overall, and you're getting better numbers. A team that has covered a lot, basically they become overvalued, and these lines are further shaded toward, toward those good ATS teams. So the public will just keep betting whoever covers for them. It, but those teams become more and more overvalued, and it's actually a better buy low opportunity to bet bad ATS teams, a team that's five and ten ATS against a team that's ten and five ATS, because you're getting a better number overall with that public uh, bias in mind. Give me a quick snapshot on televised games. Quick snapshot is televised games lean contrarian because if they're on TV, it means that the public is flocking to these games, especially like prime time. You know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night. They're going to attract a ton of bets, a ton of public action. What does that mean? Most often you're going to have the public really leaning toward that favorite or that home team. So that's when you can kind of go the other way in these heavily bet televised games to bet against the public. Bet against those drunk guys at the bar, Ron. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Totals. Let's get into totals. The over-unders. The number of points that will be scored in the game. Will it be over or under the total that is shown to you when you are betting on that game? Give me some snapshots, if you could, Josh, of your own algorithms on totals. Yeah, so some basic totals. Obviously, second most heavily bet uh, bet type after the spread. But number one, I always look at conference, non-conference. Is it a conference game or a non-conference game? Are they in the same conference, the opponents, or different? I always lean a little bit more to unders in conference games. You know, the reason for that is... Uh, These teams have a lot of familiarity. They play each other every year. There's a big rivalry aspect. So typically you're a little bit higher on 52% to the under uh, in conference games versus non-conference lack of familiarity benefits the offense. You're on 49%. So slight edge unders in conference games. Uh, But I really love betting. And you know me, Ron, I love betting based on weather and factors like that. I think there's a ton of value. So if you like overs, Target heavily, uh, target really hot games, 85 degrees or higher. The over is about 55% historically. Why? Because uh, the defense is just gassed out there. The offense is is, is humming, and, and they're uh, they know what they're doing. They're you know they're running their plays. The defense has to react. So especially early September, a lot of uh, you know southern states where it's really really hot, 85 degrees or more. Those overs tend to do very well. But then flip it, Ron. We love windy unders. We talk about it all the time. 
If it's windy, you know, I say really don't pay attention until it's 10 miles an hour or more. When you get to 15 or even 20, uh, cashing the unders does very well. You're, you're close to 60% overall because when it's windy, it's harder to throw the ball, move the chain, score points. You'll have missed kicks. And as a result, you'll run the ball more and chew up the clock. So always look out for windy unders. If you can jump on those numbers early, great opportunity to take an under in a windy game. What about short weeks? Short weeks are very important, especially Thursday nights. Uh, when you look at a Thursday night game, uh, you have a lot of value to the under as well, around 56%. Because usually short week, what do the coaches do? They dumb down the game plan. They make it simple. They make it easy. You don't want to you know, give too much to your kids uh, in a short week. So unders historically do well. And then also if you're betting totals, look at teams that run the ball a lot. You know, in college, you run it more than you throw it typically, unless you're, you know, an air raid offense. But teams that run it more and I would say, you know, average more than 200 yards a game uh, on the ground, you're looking at a pretty, pretty decent edge here to the under. Uh, and then always keep an eye out for those military academy teams, hmm. Navy, Army, Air Force. They throw it almost every single time, Ron, and that's when you chew up the clock and you really can lean on unders. They throw, you mean they run it every single time? <laughs> they, yeah, yeah, sorry. They run it every single time. And, you know, the, yeah. the, the option or whatever, but those are just long, long, long uh, drives and chew up the clock in uh, low-scoring games typically with Navy, Army, and Air Force. It's so odd that Air Force runs, but that's another story <laughs> altogether. Okay, reverse line movement. This is where you start to follow what the pros are doing when they're betting. Yeah, when you're betting college football, uh, lean on learning line movement, seeing where a line opens, how it develops. But again, we make it pretty simple. You know, reverse line movement to me is an easy indicator of sharp action. It's when the betting line moves in a direction that makes no sense, but there's a reason for it. There's a reason why the odds maker is moving a line. If you see uh, an underdog where the public is all over the favorite, but the line moves to the dog. Maybe they open plus seven, they're down to plus six, even though everyone is betting against them. What does that tell you? Sharps hit the dog getting the points at, and hopefully you can get the seven there. Uh, then you have fade the trendy dog situations where, you know, public loves the dog getting the points, but the line moves further to the favorite. That will be an indication of, of sharp money as well. Uh, and then my all-time favorite, Ron, is just looking at totals that drop. Typically the public is always gonna lean on these overs, wanting to see high scoring games. So if you start to see that that total fall, you know, uh, 60 and a half down to 59 to 58, if you can jump on it early, just always train your brain. If a line doesn't make any sense at all, there's a reason behind it. Uh, and that's something you want to be aware of going in. What are some of the other tips you might have, especially with regard to bargain hunting and maybe what you're following in terms of developments ahead of the game? Yeah, so biggest thing overall, we can't stress this enough uh, in terms of all sports, but especially in college, because there's so many teams, because there's so many games, you got to set yourself up beforehand with multiple outs and being able to shop for the best line because uh, these numbers can vary. They can move very quickly. So you want to make sure that you're betting and you have access to, you know, five different sports books, five or more. You know, that way you can shop for the best line. Also look at late movement, you know, game day movement, that last hour, that last half hour after limits have been raised is also very, very meaningful. Uh, and of course, Ron, uh, you know it's important to be on Twitter because why tracking injuries, suspensions, you know, getting those local beat reporters. It may not be on ESPN that the, the quarterback got sick from, uh, you know, App State, but because you were able to, you know, look online and get these, these little pieces of information, things can slip through the crack. And the more time you put into studying each team and tracking each team, you can get some really insightful information there. Isn't that the truth? And by the way, if you focus on maybe one of the mid-major conferences that's still in the FBS, 
you do so maybe more so than the national media are, you might find yourself in an advantageous situation because your knowledge is going to be better than that of the average Joe better out there. So there's something to be considered as well as you're attacking all this. All right, so we've given you a lot to digest so far. Oh, yeah, there's one more wrinkle to college football. Oh, is it ever a wrinkle? And it's at the end of the season, bowl games, and how confounding it can be to bet those. We'll talk about that here on the Everything Guide. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Ron Flatter, Josh Applebaum on the Everything Guide to Sports Betting VCN podcast. So we've taken you through the regular season, although what we just talked about can also apply to what we're about to discuss. Bowl games, the postseason, of course, that also means the playoffs and the national championship game. But particularly all these bowl games, it almost seems, Josh, like there are more bowl games than there are college football teams. Well, all right, maybe that's just a scotia of an exaggeration but betting bowl games can be very tricky no you're totally right ron yeah and basically what are bowl games are these like mini super bowls and at the end of the year they're your playoff games and you know they have crazy wacky names the poinsettia uh good year every everything bowl or you know you have these cra- crazy names overall but the point is that they're super fun to bet on and they're also a very unique time of year where if you have a contrarian mindset, you can really, really stack and pad your bankroll uh, and make a lot of money. So number one, bowl games, why is it important? It's the best time to go contrarian because really number one, you'll get these breakdowns of the scheduling of, of the bowl games weeks and weeks in advance. And also, you know, instead of a college football Saturday with, you know, 60, 70 games across the board, you're getting one or maybe two bowl games a night. And then, you know, some days you might have three or four, but basically because these bowl games uh, are scheduled out weeks and weeks in advance, they have more time for bets to build up. 
you have an influx of recreational money hitting the market. And really, it's kind of like March Madness in college basketball. You have uh, bettors who may not have bet all season long, but it's in December, it's around the holidays, you know, maybe you're having a beverage, you're chilling with your family or want to get away from your family. So you may not know college football, but you're going to bet on these bowl games. And that's when the public really, really shows up, leans on these popular teams, these favorites. And that's uh, also, they're all nationally televised games, ESPN, primetime mm-hmm. games. So the ticket counts skyrocket much more than an average college football game. And as a result, betting on a lot of dogs is profitable. The dogs bark loudest overall. Uh, they're around 52, 53%, uh, whereas they're more of a coin flip during the regular season. But I like inflated bulldogs, Ron. You know, uh, me and you are going to start a band. We'll, we'll be the inflated bulldogs. But if that game moves <laughs> moves further or that line moves further uh, toward that favorite and the public's moving the number, let's say a, a, a dog in a bowl game opens at plus six, public's hitting the favorite, that plus six goes to plus six and a half or plus seven or more, or almost 60% historically against the number uh, since 2005. So uh, get taking advantage of public bias, best time of year to do it during the bowl game season. <laughs> the inflated bowl dogs. You'll see our flyers <laughs> plastered on brick walls all over bad parts of town. Well, this is something I've always wanted to know how to quantify when it comes to bowl games, Josh, and that's motivation. You get a big-name school that lost to its rival late in the season, and that cost it a chance to go on, say, to the college football playoff, and now it's stuck in some bowl game that's in late December against perhaps a mid-major or a team that's percolating that's on the rise that might have a coach of the year candidate because he took a team that was 1-11 and the year before and scratched them into a bowl game at 7-4. and Well, I look at motivation. That team that scratched its way in against the team that disappointed itself by failing to get into a bigger game, I like the scrappy team in that case, don't you? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up, Ron. Yeah, we know, okay, bull dogs do well because the public, uh, is, you know, massive influx of public betting. But motivation is another really, really key factor overall. You know, if you have a team, a perennial uh, bowl game team that, you know, they thought they'd be in the playoff and now they're playing some bowl, you know, who cares? They're, they're not as motivated versus a team that's, you know, uh, like scrappy and got in there. You love banking on motivation, a team that's uh, maybe outperformed or, Come, you know, coming into the bowl game season, it did well their last few games to get in. Maybe they're right. they're even all year, and then they they played late and played well and got in. That's really important. And then I'll throw a couple more at you, Ron. Also, this is a time where uh, looking at coaching staff, some coaches get fired. You know, are, are, do they have their staff? Is there an interim coach coaching that bowl game? Typically, those are situations to bet against. Also, look at the star players in these games. If they're a uh, you know, a, a high draft pick possible player, they may sit out because they don't want to get injured, hurt their draft stock. So, you know, teams that have a lot of star players who don't play, that's another thing to keep in mind overall. But yeah, dogs, motivation, you know, betting against uh, staffs where you have an interim coach and the coach got fired, uh, looking at, you know, possible draft picks who are out, kind of fade that as well. These are all really, really important factors to keep in mind uh, during bowl game season. I also look, too, at teams like those up-and-coming teams, particularly those with a lot of sophomores and juniors who are going to be juniors and seniors the following year, that the bowl game almost becomes the first game of the ensuing season, and that also adds to motivation, versus a team that might be senior-laden and, like you said, might have already had a bunch of guys say, 
That's it for me. I'm getting ready for the draft. Won't be playing in this game on December 29th. That's key. Uh, and we also got to mention, Ron, you know, there are other ways. Obviously, we want to uh, make sure everyone goes to VEASAN.com and at, uh, at VEASAN Live on Twitter. But, you know, we hit on a lot today, Ron. But we also got to mention there are other ways to bet college football. Live lining has become really, oh, really popular. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you remember you can do your first half bet, your second half bet. There are a lot of futures you can take advantage of as well. Who will win the Heisman Trophy? That gets a lot of action throughout the year. These odds will change, obviously, going into the year, looking at win totals, looking at juice movement, liability, returning starters, stability, stuff like that. A lot of futures uh, to make the, the playoff. Uh, also another uh, another um, you know bet that gets a lot of action overall. Uh, and then also, Ron, I always love those draft props. Um, you know, who will be the number one pick? I think if you can hit that just right, and I got lucky last year because I hit Burrow at, uh, you know, I think he was like minus 150 before he kind of blew up. Um, but those are all available to you. So hopefully you learn some spread systems, some totals, some different situations to lean on overall. But remember, there's tons of ways to bet college football. Just make sure you're making a bet with your head, not your heart a data-driven bet, a smart bet overall, but definitely go to beeson.com to learn more. And stay on top of changing trends, too. When you were mentioning Heisman Trophy winners, Josh, it used to be that Heisman winners in bowl games stunk. But that trend has been changing, at least in the years before we were recording this show. So maybe by the time you hear this, make sure that that trend is still in case. And don't just rely on your dad or your grandpa and what he said still continuing to be what's going on now because it it is ever-changing. And so staying on top of it is as much a challenge as well. We hopefully kept you on top of at least some of the basics on how to bet college football. He's Josh Applebaum. I'm Ron Flatter. This is the Everything Guide to Sports Betting VSIN Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 